Dr. Gerald, if we could have you come forward. We're excited to hear what uh, God has put on Amen. your heart. He, he told me he doesn't preach anymore. Now no, he just I talks quit to that. the congregation. So. I quit that since I turned 90. No more preaching. <laughs> you, you want mine. I'm just going to talk to you this morning. But while I'm talking to you, I'm going to ask you once in a while if you're still listening. Because I used to preach, and I know that when, you're, and when a preacher does a good job preaching... A lot of people know he's supposed to do that job, preach. And so many people are planning the rest of the day or the next week what they're going to do while their preacher's preaching, because that's his job. I quit that job. I got something important, very interesting to share with you this morning, and I want you to say one word with me at this point. It's the word dimension. Can you say the word dimension? dimension. Are you aware of the fact that when you walked in here, in your physical body, you walked in a certain dimension to get here and to sit down. You walked in on a physical dimension. Everything in this world is made up of dimension, physically. But there's also another dimension in our world, which is spiritual. And I found a scripture verse in the Bible that kind of shocked me some time ago, and uh, I'm going to read that to you in 1 Corinthians 15. It says in, in verse number 34, Awake to righteousness and sin not, for some have not the knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. And I thought to myself, don't I have a knowledge of God? Maybe not enough than what I should have. And I became aware of the fact that actually I was not functioning with the proper knowledge of God like I should have. And I want to share some of that with you this morning. By the way, Pastor Tim, thank you for allowing me to come and speak to these wonderful people this morning. God bless you. I'm not as young as I was 70 years ago. I was quite a bit younger at that time. But I'm having a good time. I don't want you to feel sorry for me since I turned 90 and now I'm going to be 91 very shortly and only in a few more weeks. I'm having a good time. I'm enjoying living. Uh, I want, to want you to understand something. There's another side of the cross that Christians have not been really uh, enlightened very much on, and that's the resurrection side. We've, so many years in our churches, I'm, I'm included, we've always talked about the cross. Come to the cross, which means come to the cross and get saved become what we call born again. You heard of that, haven't you? Getting born again. And then we're told that when we become born again, we become a new creature. And we even accept that, we even say that, but we're not sure what that means because we stay hung up on the cross. We keep thinking, thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your love toward me, 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 me. God, you've been good to me. You are good to me. Please Continue being good to me because I enjoy being treated nicely. But there's another side of the cross. When you come to the cross and you became born again, you come on the side of the resurrection. So the question is, has there been actually a resurrection already in our life when we got saved? And I want to give you some scripture to show something to you because this has been a real passion to me in the last year. In fact, on my journey coming up from Florida on this trip this summer, 
We stopped in 15 different churches which I spoke in, in Maryland, in Virginia, in New Jersey, in New York, Pennsylvania, Indiana, Ohio, on our way out here. And I'm going to give the same word to you because God spoke this to me three years ago up at Strawberry Lake when we felt led to sell our Christian retreat center. God spoke to me and said, I'm going to take you to the churches and I want you to speak to church-going people. He didn't tell me to just to speak to Christians, but to talk to church-going people. That's what we are. But we're also Christian, aren't we? I'm, I'm assuming all of you may be. But at least we're in church. We went to church. We're church-going people. But I remember the scripture when Jesus was teaching his disciples. He said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all the things are going to be added unto you. And that's a nice word, and that sounds exciting. Seek first the kingdom of God. And then, then Jesus told the disciples when he was being crucified and, he, and he ascended to heaven, he says, tarry in Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. Did you always think Ohio was that direction? High was that direction? I always thought so. But more recently, I found out that there's a perspective from the way God sees things. High is not up there. You thought it was, didn't you, too? I always thought it was up there. That's high up there. But then I thought it over. If the Japanese are saying high and they're pointing up there, they're pointing that direction for high. And the Europeans are pointing that direction for high. The Asians are pointing that direction for high. I thought, why, that's confusing. Wonder if God realizes that high is not that direction. And it isn't, looking at it from God's perspective. And that's what I'm interested in. I'm interested in God's perspective. High is not up there. We always thought, up there. Oh, won't it be wonderful there? Up there. I'll fly away. Oh, glory, I'll fly. We're going to go up somewhere. And we're not sure where, but we're looking forward to going to heaven, aren't we? But what if we get up? Pleasant surprise and discover it's not quite that way. Let me tell you from God's perspective where high is located. High is located all around you. High is located at the place that's beyond you. You know why that's true? Because God is omnipresent. God doesn't see high as a direction. Only people do. People that live on the earth, wherever they are, they're told that high is above them. Well, we know that God is above everything. God's above all. And God is omnipresent. God is omniscient. He's omnipotent. If he's omnipresent, God's already out there where you're going, and he's already back where you've been, and he's where you are now. And when you're going there, that's where he is too. He's everywhere. So if you want to go up to, hope, go up to heaven where God is, you're not necessarily going that direction. I want to explain something to you from 1 Corinthians 15. I think I have my glasses with me here somewhere. But if I don't, I'll have to read it without my glasses. Sometimes I uh, forget them. I had them on this morning earlier. But anyway, in 1 Corinthians uh, 15, I have it jotted down here on my paper here. Let me read it from you here. Very interesting thought here in 
in John 15, I, I read the verse already where it says, Awake to righteousness and sin not, for some have not the knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. Now the next verse says, And some will say, How are the dead raised up, and with what body shall they come? We're always thinking about being raised up. And with what body shall they come? As though we already have a body now, but when we're raised up, we may have another body. Really? What kind of a body? Then it says, This thou fool, that which thou sowest, is not quickened, except it die. In other words, if you're going to be raised up with another body, there's something about you have to die. And it was the Apostle Paul in Ephesians said that we can have our spirits quickened. Let me read that to you. I have this jotted down on my notes here. He says this, And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. And the word quickened actually means resuscitated or revived or brought to life. What was brought to life when you were born again? Was something brought to life in you when you got saved? The answer is yes. Our spirit was quickened with the spirit of Jesus. And consequently, now you become a godly person. Is that what you think? And that's true. When you became a Christian, you are looked upon as becoming a godly person. A person that takes on the nature of God. Do you believe that's true? Yes. That is true, yes. And is it possible that once we take on the nature of God, can we become godlier? I wonder how godly we can become while we're still in this body. Well, if our spirit it gets quickened, and it becomes marinated with Jesus. Which is the greater of the two of us? Jesus is the greater. Jesus actually is God. And so once you, once you die, you know, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away, and now behold, all things become new. Really? What all becomes new? From God's, perspective, from God's perception, he wants everything to become new. Although we discover we're still living in our bodies, and our bodies are really our de are, are a detriment to our new life. Our bodies are the ones that give us our feelings and our thoughts and so forth from the beginning. And our bodies are at enmity with God, the Bible says. The flesh of man is at enmity with God. But God wants us to understand that he has a life for us which is abundant while we're still here in Minnesota. And I discovered that when we are actually born again, our spirit is quickened with the spirit of God. How real is your spirit? I discovered when Beulah, my wife, passed away, I mean, all of her was still here, and we didn't want her around anymore. I mean, everything that we could see her whole body, her legs, her head, her arms, her whole body was still here. But we didn't want her around. I mean, we, we called a guy called an undertaker. That's terrible. I knew what that meant. He's going to put her under. And, and yet, we didn't want her anymore after something invisible departed. 
I mean, the most real part of my wife went, but I didn't see it. It was invisible. Spirit. It was spirit. Her spirit departed. I mean, if your spirit departs from your body, your friends and neighbors aren't going to want you around much longer than a week at the most. They're going to, have, they're going to find a box of some sort. It's called a casket. Put you in it and put you under the ground. <laughs> That's terrible. But we have to know that it's strange why we don't like you. But everything I look at, when you look at me, you like me. You kind of think I'm doing okay. I'm, I'm a man. I'm alive. But if my spirit would depart from my body, there'd be a whole lot of other kind of discussion go on and there'd be a preparation going on. I'd take this body out of here. But I thought about that. Maybe that's the part of Jesus the real part, not his body, that God had in mind to put inside of our bodies. Uh, when our spirit gets quickened with the spirit of Jesus, and our, his spirit becomes marinated with our spirit when we are quickened together. You read that, you, you read that in a few verses in the Bible about, about us becoming quickened with the spirit of Christ and we are new creatures in Christ Jesus. And maybe we're more like Jesus than what we realize we are. And that's what I want to try to explain to you this morning, that there's a dimension in our world that we need to believe that we come into when we become born again. We don't stay the way we've been, unless you want to. But I don't want to. I want, since I'm born, the first time I was born, I was born out, out of my mother's womb. Whole new life came into being for me when I began to physically be alive. I was born. And I discovered that anything that's born comes into a totally new dimension, right? So what dimension, if a Christian becomes born again from the natural life of what we've been in into God? We've been born into Christ, into, we've become now a Christian. So Christ is now in us, and he is God. Shouldn't we believe that there's a dimension that God really intends for us to believe that we have come into? Well, the dimension is God's kingdom. When you become born again, you come into the kingdom of God, the dimension of God. You become an individual with the Spirit of God that comes into you. The Spirit of God comes into you. And let me read some more scriptures out of 1 Corinthians 15. When he said, Thou fool, that which thou sowest is not quickened except at first time. In fact, that, all the farmers know that too. When they plant seeds, the corn and the field has to die before a sprout comes out of the corn seed. And the wheat the same way. Every seed. Is it true that when Jesus came into you, he came into your heart as a seed? And, and when Jesus comes into you and you accept that seed, and you have become, uh, now become born again, anytime you're born, you're, you're going to become like the one responsible for the birth. When I was born a Durstein, I was a little baby boy, a little infant male boy. Six pounds, nine ounces, perhaps. Can you believe this, that when I was a little child, people around me at that time, they believed that someday I'd be like my dad. That's 
terrible. That's un- unreal. You mean a little hunk of flesh? A little boy and all the moms and dads and their relatives, look, they look at my, my dad, an adult man, weighing over 100 pounds, and here's a little six-pound hunk of flesh. Somebody's going to be like his papa. <laughs> He's the Durstein. And you know what? When I first got born, one day old, I already was a Durstein, 100%. Now that I'm 91 years old, practically, I'm not one bit more Durstein than what I was the day I was born. Hmm. When I was born, that settled my relationship with my Durstein family. I was Durstein all the way through to my, through my 91 years plus. Why wouldn't that be true when you become born again? Is it possible to become born again? Really? Again? For real, though. I mean, not, not just getting religion and becoming a Baptist or a Mennonite or becoming a Lutheran. I don't mean that. That's a religion. But if you really are honestly born again, and God had a lot to do with it, I mean, Jesus had a lot to do with it. He come into your heart. We used to sing a song years ago, Into my heart, come into my heart, Lord Jesus, come in today. Come into stay. You heard that song, haven't you? Do you ever wonder what he's doing there? You should. If you believe he came in and you allow him to stay in you and he is alive in you, don't you think he'd be doing what his father suggested he would do when he first came to this world, came on the earth? through the Virgin Mary. God the Father had something in mind because he knew that there was a problem in our world and God wanted to do something about the problem. You all know there's a problem in our world, don't you? You heard me say this before, I, one time, I still at Strawberry Lake, when I thought, just too many trees on this earth, that's our problem. Trees all over the place. I live up in the woods up there at Strawberry Lake and so I thought to myself, let's get all the trees cut down and let's bury them all. Would that solve the world's problem? I discovered it didn't. So my mind had all the trees cut down and all buried. But we still have the same problem, problem in our world. Then somebody suggested, it's the birds are getting too huge. Let's get them out of the air. Our airplanes are crashing into the big birds. People are dying. Okay, let's get all the birds out of the air. Bury them all. Would that solve the problem? And in my mind, we buried all the birds, had all the trees buried. Then somebody suggested, ah, it's the fish. They're growing too big and our boats are crashing into some of the fish and people are drowning to death from boats crashing into the huge fish. Okay, let's get all the fish out of the world. Something that God created in our world is a problem. I thought first it was the trees, then we thought it was the birds, now the fish. Let's get all the fish out of the world and let's bury them all. No more trees, no more birds, no more fish. Ah, somebody said, it's the animals. The animals are polluting the earth. Let's get all the animals off the earth and let's bury them all. Really? All the dogs, all the cats, all the cows? Bury all the animals? Put them under the ground? So in my mind, all the animals are now buried, all the fish are buried, all the birds are buried, all the trees are buried. There's not much left. But we still got a problem. Oh my, then somebody had the nerve to say, could it be people? I said, no, I don't want it to be people because that's what I am, I'm a people. I don't want to get buried yet. But then I start to think about it. If we bury all the people, 
get all the people buried, the trees could grow, the birds could fly, the fish could swim, the animals could roam, and there'd be no more problem in our world. Whoa! Are people the problem in the world? Then I wondered, I wonder if God knows that. God, did you know that people are the problem in our world? People are a problem. Well, maybe that's why Jeremiah said, the heart of man is deceitful and desperately wicked. Who can know it? It's in the book of Jeremiah, the prophet. The heart of man is deceitful and desperately wicked. Who can know it? God knew it. Maybe that's why God had in mind to do something about the problem in the world. Not get all the fish out of the lakes, no. Not bury all the trees, no. But bring a man into this world that will come into the heart of people. Because people are the problem. And now the answer coming from God in the name of Jesus comes into my heart. Come into my heart. Lord Jesus, come in today. Come in to stay. Come into my heart. Lord, what do you think? If he's alive, do you think he could influence us? I mean... Can the devil influence people? You know, in the beginning with the Garden of Eden was Adam and Eve, and they were perfect. In fact, God had in mind when he made the earth, he was going to make the earth heaven. Did you know that? That's what God had in mind when he created the earth. And he put man on it. He put a man and a woman, Adam and Eve, and the Bible says they were very good. They were perfect. Nothing wrong at all until Lucifer, the devil, came on the scene and he tempted them, and they committed sin. They wanted to do what they wanted to do. They wanted to eat the forbidden fruit. Satan deceived them and said, look, if you eat that fruit, you'll be like God. They already were like God. Anyway, they ate the fruit, and as a result, Adam and Eve caused the curse to come upon the human race. Now, if an evil spirit, did did you know that people in our world today can be as bad as a devil? I mean, can really be bad. Would you say, get the devil out of him? Or get the devil out of here? Can, can people become so evil, they become like the devil? If that's possible, why wouldn't God make it possible for people that find God and let God come inside of them that they could become godlike, godly? Don't you think that's why God makes Christians? He wants Christians to become godly godlier and become godlike or let's say like Jesus while we're still here in Minnesota where we got to pay taxes is that too much wouldn't you rather just stay the way it's been and let's just wait till we die and then hope we get to some other better place it's not going to be that way because God had full intentions he's going to do something about the world's problem and he decided he's going to come out of heaven come onto this earth in the form of a man whose name was Jesus, and he's going to die for our sins to cause each one of us to be totally forgiven of our past, and he's going to make it possible for he himself to come inside of you and me and bring us into another dimension, a dimension of the Spirit. Though you're still in the physical body, you can believe in your heart and your mind 
that Christ is alive. Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive. His is the blood that ransomed me. His is the power that sets me free. His is the life that was given to me. For Jesus is alive. And I believe he's inside of me. Well, what God has in mind, he wants us to understand that he's giving us a new body. And I'm going to read that to you in the scripture here in 1 Corinthians 15. I have that jotted down here too. And let's go to 1 Corinthians 15 and verse number uh, 38. But God giveth it a body as it hath pleased him to every seed his own body. All flesh is not the same flesh in the next verse. One kind of flesh of men, another kind of flesh of, of beasts, another kind of fish, another of birds. There is the glory of the sun, there is the glory of the moon. So also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown in corruption, it is raised in incorruption. Sown in corruption is raised in incorruption. Verse number 43, it is sown in dishonesty, it is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. That sounds like when we become born again. We were, we, we were saved as a sinner in corruption, but now we're raised into the presence of God. Christ comes into us. We were dishonest. Now we have the potential of being honest. We have God in us. We, we were raised in glory. We were sown in weakness, but raised in, in power. The next verse, number 44, says, It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. Now, that's what caught my attention again. Do I really, can I really believe I'm in actually a spiritual body? What is a spiritual, what does a spiritual body look like? Well, we were singing here tonight, and we were singing about Jesus, and all of you were singing the same song, same words, believing that God was hearing us. Weren't we believing that we, we, we believe that God was hearing us? But you don't see God, though. But you believe in God that you can't see? So God must be spirit. The Bible does say God is a spirit. They that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. To give you some kind of a likeness like that, have you ever seen the wind? Is the wind square? Is it round? Is it, is it scratchy? Is it, you don't see wind. You do believe in the wind, though, don't you? You know when the wind is blowing, you know the wind is blowing. How do you know it? You can tell by its effect upon physical stuff. And the trees are pushing, the leaves are going back and forth, the limbs are going up and down. It's windy out. You feel that it's hitting your face, but you can't see it. That's a dimension. That's an invisible dimension, but a reality. So if you can believe that wind is real, we as Christians believe that God is real. And so now the scripture is telling us that God can give us a physical, natural body. He can also give us a spiritual body. Well, we're all taught in church that the church is the body of Christ. And we're also told that when Jesus comes into us, our body becomes the temple of the Holy Spirit. Know ye not? Know ye not? 
ye are the temple. Know ye not, know ye not, ye are the temple. Know ye not, know ye not, ye are the temple. Ye are the temple of the Holy Ghost, filled with power, filled with praise, filled with glory. Filled with power, filled with praise, filled with glory. Filled with power, filled with praise, filled with glory. You are the temple of the Holy. Do you believe that though? I mean, can you believe that the glory of God is in you if God is in you? Maybe that's what God has in mind. Maybe God knows that you are his only hope of the rest of the world finding his glory when they meet you. (laughs) Whoa, that's too much. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Really? You mean the glory of God can be inside of a human? Well, if God can come inside of a human, why is that difficult to believe? And what is the glory of God? That's interesting, too. I wondered about that one day. What is the glory of God? The glory of God is actually Jesus. Well, what is Jesus? I discovered that Jesus has a character, and he is a holy, he is a holy character. And so if Jesus is in me, I have acquired a holy potential character beyond my own character. And I found, I found scriptures in the Bible that tell us what a holy character actually is. A holy character is found in Galatians 5, 28. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, goodness, meekness, temperance, gentleness, nine virtues, faithfulness. All those nine virtues, nine of them, when Jesus came, comes into you, all those nine virtues come into you now while you're in Minnesota. We can go sledding and ice skating in the wintertime and ice fishing. I mean, all nine for the Spirit stay in you. That's if you stay Christian. Of course, you're going to stay Christian, aren't you? Just because it gets cold outside doesn't mean Jesus got too cold and he got out and went to Florida instead to get warm. No, he stays inside of you no matter where you are. Because you are his temple. And when he's in you, you should know this. This is the, the spiritual body. God gave you a spiritual body. You believe in God. You know God is the spirit. And you know God comes in. And when he comes in, this is what came in. His love, his peace, his joy, his goodness, his temperance, his patience, his faith. All those goodies. They're all in you, and actually, he makes it possible for you to be able to share them with other people. When you meet an arrogant person that's really mad at you, you have the potential of actually forgiving that mad person and showing love to that. You can do that as a human that lives in Minnesota. You knew that, didn't you? And you meet a nervous person, it's actually possible for you to look upon that nervous person and pray peace upon them. In fact, when you talk, you can actually cause peace to come over them because peace, the prince of peace is Jesus and he's inside of you while you're here in Minnesota. That's your spiritual body you have. God gave it to you. We gotta believe it. Gotta quit thinking, well, I'm just a Christian saved by grace. I'm just a sinner saved by grace. Someday I'm gonna go to heaven. It's gonna be different there. Hey, what if God intended to bring heaven right to Minnesota? Whoa, whoa, that was too much. Don't say that, Gerald. I don't want that to happen. 
I'm in Minnesota with all kinds of problems. Uh, there's a devil in Minnesota, and God might not know that. Oh, no, God knows there's a devil in Minnesota. But Jesus is more powerful than the devil. And he comes inside of people. Because people were the problem, and now God chooses people to be the answer. What do you want to be? Still part of the problem or part of the answer? You have a choice. Anyway, if it doesn't excite you, it excites me to hear me say that anyway. I enjoy talking this way. You know, when you get older, you start seeing things a little more clearly than what I saw when I was younger. What I saw younger was exciting to me at that time, and I'm getting older. It's even more exciting to me. Let me give you some more scripture to back what I'm talking about. In verse number 44, I already said, it is, it is sown a natural body, it is raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body and there is a spiritual body. That's what the scripture says. The next verse, number 45, and so it is written, the first man, Adam, was made a living soul. The last Adam was made a quickening spirit. Now, as real as there was a physical Adam made by God in the Garden of Eden, God also made the second Adam, the new Adam, which is Jesus, made him a quickening spirit for a purpose, to be able to quicken your spirit so that you could become born into the family of God and be a part of the spiritual body that's another dimension. It's a real dimension. It's a dimension that requires your faith to believe. You must believe that God is in you. You must believe that God's word is actually God. John 1.1 1, 1 says, In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. Remember Genesis chapter 1? Everything that was created was, was created by a spoken word. And God said, let us do this. And it happened. And God said, God spoke words. And so what if God is not a man? God is not a woman. God is not a tree. He's a spirit. And the Bible says he is his word. Whew. And you actually have access to be able to speak his word as he spoke it through prophets in the Old Testament, as he spoke it through the words of Jesus. In fact, Jesus said, the works that I do, now you can do also, he told his disciples. And we are his disciples when we receive his spirit. When you became born again, you were born into a spiritual body, into a spiritual dimension. Can you say dimension again? Dimension. Not physical. You already were in a physical dimension. You still have the physical hanging on. But now you're born into God's kingdom while you're still here in Minnesota. Now, I know everybody will not catch on to this. But God don't need a whole big lot of people to catch on to it. He just needs certain people that really catch on to it. And remember, it was only Jesus and 12 disciples that changed the whole world. 90 countries were formed since Jesus came way back 2,000 years ago. 90 different countries in our world. Billions of people have become believers in Jesus because of one man and 12 others. And God let me know that what you're going to teach now, what I'm going to take you to the churches and teach church-going people about the spiritual body, the dimension of the spirit, God's going to have many of his people are going to catch on to it and believe it. And here's what's going to happen. You don't have to try so hard to be good. You don't have to try so hard to be successful. God doesn't look for successful people. In fact, successful people 
God really can't use them very well because they do their own works. They're, they're, they're successful. But God uses weak people, people that don't know exactly how to do it. But they do it anyhow. Because what God's looking for is obedient people. In fact, the Lord showed me some time ago, there's not a right way to do God's works. You know why? Because everything that God does, he doesn't do anything right because he can't do anything wrong. But everything that God does, it's always perfect. And so God knows that people are not perfect. So God decided he's going to come out of heaven and come inside of people in this cursed world and use imperfect people that are weak. And through your weakness, you discover his strength because of your obedience, not because you know how to do it. But in our society today, we're taught in America and most countries of the world, you've got to go to school and learn how to do it. Get trained. You don't find that anywhere in the Bible, though, to go to a school and get trained first. He says, just get saved, filled with the Holy Ghost, and go into all the world and tell them what happened. Woo! That's okay with me. <laughs> in fact, this church got started that way. I mean, I'm the founder of this work up at Strawberry Lake Christian Retreat back way back 40, 50 years ago when you became a church. It all happened in this Christian Retreat Auditorium. And here I came to Minnesota when I was a 22-year-old young man, just married two years. And uh, I, came, I, I asked my pastor of the church, I told him I'm going to become a missionary. I'm going to Minnesota to help my uncle, Llewellyn. He's a missionary on the White Earth Indian Reservation. And my pastor said, oh, no, you're too young. You are, you're, you're, not, you're not knowledgeable enough. You don't know enough about God, and, and you haven't gone to school to become a missionary. I said, but I don't remember ever reading in the Bible how to go to school to become a missionary. I thought we just had to become saved and go into the world. Yeah, but the pastor said, you've got to know what you're doing. I didn't know that. The Bible didn't seem to tell me that. And anyway, all my relatives, a lot of people of my family said, no, Gerald, you're too young. You've got a good job. Your wife has a job. You don't, well, how are you going to make a living up in the north woods of Minnesota? There's no factories. There's no jobs up there. There's only Indians living there and deer and bear and wild animals. I never thought of that. I, said, I read the Bible. The Bible says God takes care of sparrows. He takes care of animals. It says take no thought for tomorrow. He'll take care of us. And thank God I was dumb enough at that time to believe the scriptures and not listen to people because people are the problem. And God wants to make people to become the answer. By the way, that's a whistle in case you're wondering. When my voice doesn't handle it, my whistle does a better job. When you get my age, you can do those kind of things, but don't try it when you're still quite young. <laughs> Verse number 47, the first man is of the earth, earthy. The second man is the Lord from heaven. The second man is the second Adam, Jesus. He came from heaven to earth to show the way from the earth to the cross, my debt to pay from the cross to the grave, from the grave to the sky. Lord, I lift your name on high. And wasn't it Jesus that said, I am the way, the truth, and the life? Are you aware of the fact when you receive Jesus, 
God actually placed inside of you the way, the truth, and the life. When Jesus came into your heart, you now walk around in Minnesota where you live with the way, the truth, and the life inside of you. That's what people see when they meet you. You knew that, didn't you? That's why people wonder, how can you do what you do? How come you're so different? Don't people ever tell you that? But you know you are different. But you are different because you have received the way, the truth, and the... You're not Jesus any more than when I was first born a Durstein. My name is Gerald. My father's name is Willis. I'll never be Willis Durstein, my father, but I can become a lot like him staying in Durstein. And just because Jesus came into your heart and you became Christ-like, you're never going to be Jesus Christ, never. You'll always be you with a likeness of God, likeness of Jesus, and you should be interested in knowing what he really is like. You find that when you read the book of John, read the book of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, read those four Gospels, and I can't get enough of that lately. Something happened to me a few months ago. Something came over me. I think, I think there was the breath of God. It was in my, at my kitchen table in Florida before I came on this trip, about two weeks before I came up here. I was reading the Bible, and all of a sudden, something came all over me. I felt like a cloud, and I was in that cloud for a few, few seconds. It went all through me. It was around me, and ever since that, the scriptures take a whole together new meaning. I can't get, in fact, I read the whole New Testament through since that time. I read the book of John through two more times since that time. I can, I, I'm, you, if you look at my Bible now, I've got all kinds of markings in it. And I'm so excited because I feel I'm there. Whew. If you think I'm crazy, that's okay. I, I probably am in comparison to what I used to be because I'm having a good time. Don't feel sorry for me. You don't even have to be nice to me anymore. I <laughs> know you don't, but I'm required to be nice to you, though. I, I know I have to be nice to every one of you. I have to be good to you, but you don't have to be nice to me. But I'll tell you something. If you are nice to me, God will bless you for it. But my duty is to be good to everybody I see. I don't have to convert anybody anymore either. But I have to let them know who I am, why I am who I am, and to bless them and to pray for them for any time a need shows up. And I'm having a good time doing that. I'm not done yet. In verse number 49, and as we have borne the image of the earthy, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. I mean, that's in your Bible. 1 Corinthians 15, as we have borne the image of the earthy, you're born a natural body. That was your natural dimension. Now you're born again. You're born into a spiritual body, and now you're going to bear the hev heavenly image. You're going to bear the image of Jesus. You're becoming more and more like Jesus. Try to believe that. Just like everybody, when I was a little baby boy, they wanted me to become a, a little boy, not to say a baby. They said, you want to be like your big brother? You're going to become a little boy someday, little, little Gerald. So I became a little boy. And then when I was a little boy, I would do things, and they would tell me, you don't want to stay a little boy, do you? You want to become like a big boy. You want to become a... So I would look at my bigger brother. I want to become my bigger brother, so I'd try to do bigger stuff. Because they thought, they knew I was not going to stay the way I was. They were the same dimension. They were human, too, and I was a human. 
And then when I became a big boy, they said, well, you don't want to stay a big boy. You want to become a young man. You're going to become a young man. And my uncle was a young man much bigger than what I was when I was a big boy. And I wanted to be like my uncle, become a young man. And then when I was a young man, you don't want to stay a young man. You want to become like a man, like your dad, like your father, like your grandfather. Oh, yes, I do. And all that was, was encouragement to make me see beyond where I am. And that's what we as a church should be doing to each other. You're becoming like Jesus. You're not going to stay the way you are. You are destined to mature. Come in the likeness of the one responsible of the birth. Whenever there's, a, whenever there's a new birth, it's always a baby. A baby never stays a baby. Is that right? You see a baby dog, it's called a puppy. It's not going to be a puppy. It's going to become a big mama dog, papa dog someday. You see a little baby cat, little kitty. Not going to stay a little kitty cat. It's going to be a mama papa cat someday. Little baby fishy. No, little baby fishy. It's going to be mama fish, papa fish someday. Little baby birdie. How about a baby Christian? Some Christians say, don't expect much of me. I've been a, I'm only a baby Christian. But they've been saying that for five years. Hey, where do you come from? Every baby doesn't remain baby. If you're smart enough to know you're a baby, you should be smart enough you're not going to stay that way. Woo! You're going to change. We're changing from glory to glory. He's changing me changing me. By the way, I don't think I'm there yet. I'm having a good time getting there, though. And the more I talk to you about these things, it helps me a whole lot. So find somebody a little bit that you know and talk to them about it. If you can't find a person, talk to your dog about it. The dog won't get mad at you. If you don't have a dog, you have a cat, tell the cat. If you don't have a cat or a dog, tell your curtains on the window. Just say it to somebody. Let your ears hear you say what you are believing for. Is that clear enough? Does this sound doctrine, Pastor? It sounds something. It sounds good to me anyway. And as, and as we have borne the earthy, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. Let me give you a story about Saul. I'll bring this to a close. In Acts chapter 9 and verses 3 through 5, Saul used to be a very wicked man. He was a religious man, and he was causing Christians to be put into prison. And he would persecute Christians. He was on his way to Damascus, on the Damascus Road, and he would actually have Christians killed, put them in jail, and Christians were afraid of Saul. While he was on his journey to the city of Damascus at Syria, a bright light came out of heaven, and it threw him off his horse onto the ground, and then the voice out of heaven spoke and said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And Saul says, who are you, Lord? Then the voice out of heaven said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Saul, what? Not Jesus. I was persecuting Christians. But it's in your Bible, Acts chapter 9. The voice out of heaven said, you're not persecuting Christians, you're persecuting Jesus. God spoke to him and said, you're persecuting Jesus. I'm telling you, it's the truth. Jesus is alive in you. A lot of songs that we sing, they're not quite accurate. We keep allowing Jesus to be alongside of us or somewhere out there. He's a good man and he's supposed to be the son of God. And that's all true. But as a born-again believer coming into a spiritual body, into the body of God's kingdom, you're going to see Jesus as a part of your life now. Jesus is as much of me 
since I'm a son of God, since I'm born again, I'm a child of God, I'm a son of God, I'm a brother to Jesus, we're in the same body, God the Father is our same Father, we're in the same kingdom, I should believe that and talk that way, thank God that way, and believe that I'm changing. You know, not recently, just recently I should say that, I had a man come up to me and say, Brother Durstein, you're looking good being the, as old as you are. I said, but I want you to understand something though. I look at that person, but I feel a whole lot better than what I look. You what? I said, I feel a whole lot better than what I look. He looked at me, really? Do you want me to explain? Yeah, explain. And I'm happy to explain. I said, I happen to know that there's one who lives in me that has forgiven me of all my sin. He's healed my body. He's a savior in my soul. He's the creator of the universe. He has a name. His name is Jesus. Knowing that, that makes me feel good. I feel a lot better than what I look. What you're looking at is only temporal, temporary. That's my body that this great one lives inside of me. Knowing what I know makes me feel a lot better than what I look. Oh! Never heard anybody ever tell me that before. Well, it's about time we tell people the truth. You say, well, I'm not sure I believe it that much. Well, you'll get to believe it that much if you start talking that way. When people say, good morning, Mr. Durstein, how are you? I just say, I'm just doing fine. I'm wonderfully blessed. That's not not too bad an answer, but it's not the total truth. I used to tell people that for years, and one day God put conviction on me that wasn't the total truth. I was okay in three areas, but two other areas I wasn't okay in. But I told you, I'm just fine. Then afterwards, oh, well, that was a little bit of a lie. Then I prayed about it. I said, God, I don't want to be telling people a lie. Should I be saying something more perfect? He says, yes. What should I be telling him? And God told me to tell people you're improving. Good morning, Mr. Durstein. How are you today? I'm improving. You're what? I'm improving. Were you sick? Something wrong with you? No, I tell him, would you like to understand how to improve? Yes, how do you improve? I tell him, stay alive. We improve with age. Hmm. Oh, you mean kind of like wine? You got it, that's right. However, you got to stay connected to the vine. Do you know who the vine is? If they're a Christian, they light up like a light bulb. Oh, that's Jesus. If they're not a Christian, they look at me. No, who's the vine? Just tell them, Jesus, and then you walk away. (laughs) Come on. You can do that. Don't try to convert them. Just bless them. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Christ died on the cross to give us... Let me give you another thought yet here in St. John chapter 14, or 13, John 13. Then I'll try to close it. John 13, I never have enough time because I'm living in eternal life right now. I don't go by time. But I respect you, they're still in time, and I'm in time too. Uh, in John 13, here was Peter. He was kind of upset with Jesus. Jesus was telling the disciples, I'm going to leave you soon. He said that several times to the disciples. And finally, Peter spoke up to Jesus and said, Jesus, you're always telling us you're going away. And then Jesus said, yes, I'm going to go. And where I'm going, you cannot go with me now, but you shall follow me later. And I, I caught that, uh, and I thought, really? He told, I, I knew what Jesus had in mind. He's going to be crucified. He's going to go to the cross and die. He's going to be put to the grave. And so his, the scripture says, I can, and, and he says, and shall, I don't have the right verse here. 
I'm doing this without my glasses. I haven't done that very often. But I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Thank you, Jesus. Here we go. I'm in St. John. Oh, I was way off. <laughs> thank you, Jesus. You're so good. By the way, two words that you want to remember the rest of your life is thank you, Jesus. Because every time you say thank you, Jesus, you make Jesus feel good. Because he hears you. He's inside of you. Remember that. <laughs> and here it is. I have this underlined. No, I'm wrong. This page here. He says, uh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. But anyway, when, when Peter said, why do you tell us you're going somewhere we can't go with you? He says, where I'm going, you cannot go with me now, but you shall later. You shall af-, he says, afterwards you shall go with me. And then three verses later is John 14, where Jesus said, in my Father's house, he says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And when I saw that, I go, because he just got done telling Peter, where I'm going, you can't go with me now, but you shall follow me afterward. Now he's going somewhere, and now he's telling him, where I'm going, you're going to follow, you're going to be with me. Let me read that again to you. In my father's house are many mansions, but we're not so I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. By the way, that word mansions does not mean big buildings. I know preachers, and I have been the same for many years. I was always taught in heaven there's going to be great big apartment buildings that depending how good we are, we're going to get one with as many as 10 bedrooms, maybe eight bathrooms. But then I gave it further thought, why would we need bedrooms? We're never going to go to sleep there. There's not even any night there. And why would we need to have bathrooms all the time in a big mansion? Because we're not going to be eating that much food. I have to go to the party all the time. We're the party out in heaven. It's not going to be that way. And then I heard a preacher one time say, mansions is a wrong word there. The original word means in my father's house are many places, many positions. It means a place with God, a position with God. And then it came to me only recently in my father's house. Where is the father's house? It's where he dwells. Really? Haven't we been told that he is in the church, that the church is the temple of God? The church is the body of Christ? So maybe God is dwelling right here in you and me, and maybe that's where the father's house is, and maybe that's where Jesus decided to come to to change the world that we're in, to come inside of People, because people are the problem, now he's going to make a certain people become the answer vessels. That's us. And maybe in my father's house are many places, many positions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go, he's, I go and I prepare a place for you. So when Jesus comes into your heart, he's in there now giving you suggestions what to do, what not to do, how to do what to do, when to do it, giving you all kinds of ideas. When you meet a sick person, he gives you the right to pray for them, for them to get healed. And as you're doing his works, you're doing exactly what Jesus said you could do when he's here in you. Don't get too excited about that. (laughs) But anyway, (laughs) you may believe it if you want to. If you don't want to, I tell people, just put it up on a shelf. If you don't fully understand now, don't throw it away and say it's all about the devil. 
put it on the shelf because maybe a year from now or a few weeks from now when you're reading the Bible, hear somebody else talk, all of the, oh, that's what that man meant. Take it off the shelf and put it together and enjoy it. But just because you don't understand it now doesn't mean it's totally wrong. And let me finish here then. That, so he says, so it, so it was um, the other apostle, Thomas, he was a doubter. He says, I don't understand this. And he says, I don't understand. And, and where do I go, you know, and the way you know. Then that's when Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. I'm going to stop that with that. I don't have my glasses. I can't read that properly. Anyway, are you getting anything out of this? Oh, I forgot to ask, are you, are you listening? Yes. Remember, I was just talking to you all morning, and my time is up, and I could say a lot more things, a lot of interesting things, but there's a lot that's happening right now. You're living in a world right now that's going through a lot of transition, and while the world's going through transition, the church is also going to go through transition. And I'm convinced the church in these last days are going to understand who they really are. They're not going to just stay Baptist anymore or just stay Lutheran or just stay Catholic. There's going to be individuals that are going to catch the vision because God's going to breathe on them. And they're going to see the scriptures in a more real way and you may be one of them. I want to encourage you right now, don't give up any opportunity. You have an opportunity. Somebody complains about a problem, stay with them. Don't wait till you think you know how to help them. Just help them at that point. In your weakness, just do something. Just say a kind word or just offer a quick prayer. Just say a nice word. It's not your business anyway to do this work. It's God's business, and, but God's in you. You are his vessel. When you do, you're going to be surprised to see how many miracles will happen through you, not just through preachers, but through the people in the church who are going to be obedient to his word, because God is his word. Okay? Let's bow our heads. Father, I thank you that you allow us to share these few words of encouragement. I ask you, Father, just help us to understand that in your, in your house there are many positions, there's many places, places that are close to you, that we're not looking for a big building to live in, and that's not going to be required. We're going to be with you forever. We're going to be worshiping you, glorifying your name. We're going to be exalting your name. And we already begin right here in this world because you came from heaven. You came to Minnesota to inhabit people. And we are that people. And that since our spirit was quickened with the spirit of Jesus, now we have his spirit and our own spirit. But we, by faith, trust in your spirit We'll talk about you, Jesus. We'll thank you every day. We'll glorify you. We give you praise for everything. And I thank you for every man and woman, every boy and girl, pastors and workers in this church, that you bless them. Give them understanding. Help us, Lord, to do not be afraid of anything, only to know that you are with us. You are going to do the work through us because you are the answer. We're in your dimension. We're in the spiritual dimension. We are people of God, even though we're in this world. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you will use us and are using us and causing our lives to be a blessing and a glory to your name and your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you very much for allowing me to share with you. And I didn't get, I didn't get done, but I said enough. Thank you. I think you know what to do here.
Have a good day. Just don't overdo it, but keep doing it.